On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the two MotoGP races, four IMSA races, and two IndyCar races that we've missed over the past couple weeks. Let's do it. Hello everybody and welcome to Rev Hang. I'm your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me today is my fellow Class C driver's license owner and co-host, Ben Bagley. How's it going, Ben? It's great. I just dropped some money on a motorcycle. Uh, we're getting towards the tail end of summer, so I'm running out of room to ride it, but I'm excited to save a little bit of money and maybe go on some adventures. Nice. I know you are talking about that a little bit last episode. Um, did you get your certification? Yes, I did. Yeah, I got a brand new picture for my license. And I am uh, ready to channel my inner Rossi on the roads. <laughs> Fun stuff. Well, congrats on that. Um, but uh, let's just dive into today's episode. This is a two-parter for all you people listening. Um, part one is going to be about IndyCar, MotoGP, and uh, the IMSA races that have happened over the past couple of weeks. And then part two will be a mid-season review of the 2022 Formula One season. Uh, we split it into two parts because I anticipate part one being long and very hard to listen to. <laughs> yep, very dense. Uh, so it's a lot of information and stats and positions and stuff like that, like we normally do. Um, so if that doesn't really interest you, you just want to hear about the Formula One stuff, you can, you're can. you more than welcome to skip to part two. I will not be offended. All right, let's start with MotoGP. Okay. Uh, the first race that we had over the past couple of weeks was the British Grand Prix. They just came off of their summer break, um, so they had a, a few weeks off, but MotoGP is now back. Um, so for qualifying for the British Grand Prix, we'll just go over the top ten for context. It was Johan Zarco, followed by Maverick Vinales, Jack Miller, Fabio Quartararo, Francesco Bagnaia, Alesa Espargaro, Marco Bedzecchi, Enea Bastianini, Jorge Martin, and Luca Marini. Rounding off the top 10. Alright, so in the race, uh, Quartararo had a great launch into turn 1, uh, which jumped him up to 2nd place. Um, unfortunately, he had a long lap penalty to serve as punishment for a collision with Alesa Espargaro in the last race. So he, he actually dropped down to 5th after the long lap. Uh, one thing I find interesting about the long laps in MotoGP is, um, they're really not that much longer, but because of the low spread in the sport, it's like, it, it drops you like three positions, even though you only lose maybe a second of time on track. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild stuff. Um, but uh, moving on, Alex Rins fought his way up to third over the last over the first few laps. Um, on lap five, Johan Zarco crashed out while leading the race, sending Jack Miller and Alex Rins through to first and second. Uh, this is not the first time Zarco's crashed out of the lead, and uh, he is still going to be chasing that elusive first win. On lap six, Alex Rins made a move on Jack Miller to take the lead of the race. Um, and then Ben Yaya passed Miller on the next lap to take second. As the laps wound by, Ben Yaya slowly closed the gap and eventually passed Alex Rins on lap 12 to take the lead of the race. Miller was able to make his way back through to pass Rins on lap 14. On lap 15, Juan Mir slid out into the gravel and ended his race. Um, another DNF for Juan Mir. 
not Incredible. not fun for him. Uh, Rins started to fall back through the field since he used up his tires early on. Uh, he went with a softer compound on the front, I believe, and so he just fell away from him at the end of the race. Uh, with just three laps to go, Maverick Vinales made his way past Jack Miller for second place. And then Vinales and Benyaya battled for the lead over the last two ra- laps of the race, with Benyaya coming out on top after uh, Vinales made a couple of small mistakes. So, the finishing order for the British Grand Prix in MotoGP uh, will go first five were Francesco Vinales, Maverick Vinales, Jack Miller, Enea Bastianini, and Jorge Martin. Six through ten were Miguel Oliveira, Alex Rins, Fabio Cordararo, Alessa Spargaro, and Marco Bedzecchi. 11 through 15 were Brad Binder, Luca Marini, Taka Nakagami, Paula Spargaro, and Franco Morbidelli. 16 through 20 were Andrea Davizioso, Alex Marquez, Remy Gardner, Stefan Bradel, and Darren Binder. And then 21st and 22nd were Ralph Fernandez and Fabio Di Gianantonio. And then our two DNFs were Joan Mir and Johan Zarco. John Weir's getting pretty comfortable in that DNF position. Yep, and uh, it, it, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> Not that I'm skipping ahead into a script or anything, but... Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so do you want to take over for Austria, then? Oh, the next to. MotoGP race? Yeah, so uh, we had, for qualifying, and your first top five places, we had Ine Bastianini, Francesco Benyaya, Jack Miller... Jorge Martin, and Fabio Cordararo, who recently, wasn't he just driving around in a Mercedes F1 car here pretty recently, too? I don't know about that. I haven't heard anything about that, but I don't doubt it. (laughs) He is uh, affiliated with Monster, and Monster is um, one of Mercedes' primary sponsors, so I would not be surprised. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, that was a little tangent that I thought of. But, uh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Just talking through some notable points during the race, we had Another Juan Mir crash out at the beginning of the race. Uh, Bastianini also had a problem with his bike that forced him out before even getting to lap 7. Uh, the Ducatis took a pretty good size lead early on in the race, as they're usually wont to do. And we had Elias Espargaro struggle pretty much throughout the race. Uh, his bike didn't seem very well set up for this particular track. Uh, and that allowed Cordero to make his way up to the leaders, uh, having a scrap with Miller and Benyaya. Uh, they ended up changing hands uh, a whole bunch, but it ended up with Benyaya finishing first, and then followed by Fabio Cordararo. Yeah, Jack Miller, Luca Marini, Luca. Oh no, Luca Marini. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Johan Zarco, and Elias Espargaro in sixth. Uh, seventh, we had Brad Bender, and then followed by Alex Rins, Marco Bezecchi, Jorge Martin, Fabio Di Giantonio. Miguel Oliveira, and then 13th we had Maverick Vinales. Wait, is his name really Maverick? Have they not noticed that the entire time? <laughs> yes, his name's Maverick. That's incredible. <laughs> Anyways, uh, 14th we had Alex Marquez, followed by Andrea. Andrea. De... I don't know, it's probably Andrea, I don't know. Dovi. Davizioso. Davizioso. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is why I usually do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've got oh, we used to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> Polis Bargaro, uh, Stefan Brattle, uh, Raul Fernandez, Lorenzo Salvadori, and rounding out 20th in the finishers is Remy Gardner. And then we had four, no, five DNFs. 
we had Morbidelli, Binder, Nakagami, Bastianini, and the previously mentioned Mirror. Yep. Alright, so those were the two MotoGP races that we've missed in the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's just go over the championship standings real quick. Um, now it seems like as good a time as ever to do it. Uh, Fabio Cordararo is in a fairly comfortable lead uh, at the top of the tables. He has a 32-point lead over Alesa Spargaro in second place. Um, I don't know. There's still quite a few races left. I don't know the exact number, but I think it's a good seven or eight. Uh, so there's still a lot of time for Espargaro to close that gap. Um, Corderaro just it just takes one one or two DNFs and Espargaro having good results to uh, put him right back up in the fight. Um, yeah. So with Corderaro in first, Espargaro in second, and then Ben Yaya in third with 156 points. Uh, I would say anyone in the top three still has a good shot at the title, but uh, Cordero does have a nice little cushion there for now. Um, not much else super notable. Um, Jawan Mir's down in 12th. He's had so many DNFs this year. And Alex Renz is actually in 8th, and he's also had a lot of DNFs, but uh, when he does finish, he finishes pretty high, <laughs> which yeah. I guess is a good thing. All right. Moving Game's on to IMSA. IMSA. All right, we have missed <laughs> the last four races in the uh, IMSA category. Um, just figured we'd get them all out of the way, kind of at the mid-season review episode. So that's what we're doing. So bear with us. There's quite a, quite a few names coming up here. Um, we'll just kind of zoom through the races, um, go through the highlights a little bit. Uh, we're not going to spend too long on these. Uh, but the first race was at Watkins Glen in New York. It was a six-hour and ten-minute race. Um, in first place in the DPI class was Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque. In first place in the LMP2 class was Ben Keating, Michael Jensen, and Scott Huffaker. In LMP3, the uh, first place went to Gary Robinson, Felipe Fraga, and Kay Van Berlo. Uh, first place in the GTD Pro class was Ross Gunn and Alex Rivers, and then first place in the GTD class was Roman De uh, Roman De Angelis, Maxime Martin, and Ian James. So for this race, there were there were quite a few spins into turn one throughout. Um, it's kind of treacherous <laughs> for some reason. Uh, it's a big, wide, sweeping right hander and. Um, I guess uh, a lot of people just lost grip on the rear uh, and spun out. There were there were three or four at the same spot on the track. <laughs> hmm. um, Juan Pablo Montoya and his son Sebastian Montoya were very strong in the LMP2 class, but had a late penalty that set them back, unfortunately. Uh, several LMP3 cars had fiery engine failures. They were actually kind of just going up in flames all over the place, and it was the only the LMP3 cars. It was kind of strange. Um, yeah, that's that's odd. Yeah, uh, there was an hour-long red flag due to lightning, uh, which will be become a recurring theme. Generally, is at this time of the year. Um, Albuquerque and Blomkvist in the DPI class fought back and forth for most of the race, and uh, most of the GTD class finished in front of the GTD Pro class, and that actually happened a couple times, which surprised me, but. At the same time, it's, I mean, the GTD 
drivers aren't aren't amateurs really i mean they're kind of in that class but they have a lot of experience they're just that's not all they do so only officially amateurs to, yeah right exactly um but a lot of the GTD drivers have just as much experience as the pro drivers, so it's interesting to see the two classes that are mixing like that. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a fun race. Um, yep. After that, of course, we had the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park race in Bowmanville, Ontario. This is a two-hour, 40-minute race. And for the results, first place in DPI, we had Ranger Van Der Zand. Zand? Yeah. Yep, and Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, in LMP3, we had John Bennett and Colin Braun. GTD Pro, first place were Matt Campbell and Matthew Jaminet. And then in GTD, we had Roman DeAngelis and Maxime Martin. Uh, some of the big points from this, we had a, a big incident right off the bat that sent two cars out. Uh, following that, we had uh, a lot of tire failures over the course of the race that got to... Uh, mix things up, especially over an endurance race. And the GTD and GTD Pro class were, once again, mixed up together very close um, and fighting for spots. There were quite a few incidents between all the DPI drivers. Uh, pretty aggressive, tight race for them. And not much else. It was a pretty short race, so... Uh, I don't want to call it routine. We had a, a pretty big incident in lap one, but Aside from that, it's on to uh, Lime Rock. Yep. Next up, we have Lime Rock Park in Lakeville, Connecticut. Uh, this race was GTD and GTD Pro only, uh, so there were no prototype cars. It was a two-hour and 40-minute race like the last one. The winners of the GTD Pro class were Matt Campbell and Matthew Jaminet, and the winners of the GTD class were Brian Sellers and Madison Snow. Uh, for the highlights of this race... Um, this was actually a pretty uneventful and uh, boring race, if I do say so myself, as uh, we had green flag racing for the first two hours of the two-hour and 40-minute race. <laughs> um, nothing happened, really. Uh, and uh, Campbell and Jaminet just ran away with it. Um, they were in front the whole time, and then after the yellow, they just pulled away and built up a gap again. Um, one notable thing, I don't remember which uh, driver it was, but one of the cars had a damaged hood that uh, flew up in front of his windshield and blocked his view for a couple of laps near the end of the race. Um, and then the marshals, I think, forced him to pit so he could get that huh. fixed so he's not driving around blind, which, you know, I think is a good idea. Imps um, the racers are built different. Yeah. <laughs> they're really just, they'll lose half their car and continue until they're told to pull over. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was unfortunate, though, because I believe the guy who it happened to was in second in the GTD class Ooh. and uh, was challenging for the lead of that class and uh, unfortunately had some door-to-door -door contact, which uh, crumpled his hood a little bit um, from the side, and it kind of just caught wind from there and kept peeling up farther and farther. Um, yeah, so... Not not ideal when you're racing for the lead, uh, but, you know, it's good to stay safe and uh, be able to see where you're trying to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've all been there. You're, you're driving Interstate 5, and you go door-to-door -door with some guy in a Toyota Corolla, and, you know, things happen. Sometimes you get a little damage. Things happen, yep. 
Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, let's move on to Road America. Yes, this is in Plymouth, Wisconsin, if you weren't familiar. Uh, this is another two-hour, 40-minute race. And again, going through the top first finisher for DPI, we had Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque. LMP2, we had Dwight Merriman and Ryan Delsdale. Thank you for putting the pronunciation there. Yeah. Uh, and LMP3, we had Gar Robinson and Felipe Fraga. GTD Pro, first place with Jack Hotsworth and Ben Barnacote. And rounding out for GTD in first place, we had Russell Ward and Philip Ellis. So some highlights from this race, uh, we saw Stephen Thomas from LMP2 spin his car, uh, managed to high center it in the gravel when he tried to turn around, and this would just begin the foreboding uh, that would come upon it about an hour into the race. It started to rain, and positions, of course, as is common in all races, began to swap all over the place at the front of the field. Uh, rain's kind of the great equalizer across races. And at one point, all the prototype cars were on slick tires in the rain, which was a very bold move, Cotton. And the GTD <laughs> cars on wets ended up being faster, obviously. Uh, grip is king. Barnacote and Gemini went back and forth throughout the race for a lead of the GTD Pro class. Obviously, we saw Barnacote come out on top of that one. And then we had two LMP3 cars crash without 40 minutes into the... Or uh, with 40 minutes into the left of the race. Oh my gosh, sorry. Uh... <laughs> And this, of course, brought out a, a full caution that shook up the order of DPI, squished everything together, uh, gave people some free pit stops. We saw Felipe Albuquerque uh, put on a, a great race the entire time. Uh, he was just absolutely dive bombing cars, uh, not afraid of you know going wheel to wheel and you know bumping people out or even bumping himself out to overtake on the outside of the dirt. Uh, so that was pretty entertaining to watch. Uh, and then we had the championship leaders, Bourdais and uh, Gervais, uh, went on a long fuel strategy for this race. Uh, it didn't pay off. Uh, Gervais managed to crash with about seven minutes left in the race, uh, which is really unfortunate. I was kind of hoping to see how his uh, his particular strategy worked out uh, and ended up completely demolishing the car. But somehow he stayed able to run, uh, and the race ended up under yellow while the safety team cleaned up the debris field. So that was a, a pretty eventful race. I always like seeing rain during these endurance races because uh, you get to play the long game with even different tire strategy than uh, normal. And getting to see all the, the GTD cars pass all the other cars on slicks was uh, kind of fun. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting race. The weather... It kept raining, and then it stopped, and then it started again. It was going back and forth and <laughs> kind of just creating chaos. Um, but, yeah, one of the things I wanted to highlight was uh, when Olivia Jarvis crashed his car, he he went, he's, I don't even know how he did it, but he spun, went straight headfirst into the wall, destroyed the entire front half of his car, and then <laughs> basically slid along the track, got his engine running again, and then just <laughs> trundled around the track with half a car for the last seven minutes of the race while it was under full course caution. I don't know how he could still drive that car. If you go, you should go look it up on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I, it's it's a miracle that that car was still drivable. I don't understand. The case for mid-engine cars. Yeah. But I, I don't like even with the suspension. Like I just, it seemed impossible that, that car could keep going. But you know, 
<laughs> yeah, it yeah. Been even better if he was able to go the entire rest of the race. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, IndyCar. That that was it for IMSA. So let's move on to IndyCar. Um, first up, uh, we have the Music City Grand Prix in Nashville, Tennessee. This race was hectic last year, and it did not disappoint this year. Lots of DNFs. Absolute <laughs> so, circus. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but just for context, we'll go through the top ten in qualifying. First five were Scott McLaughlin, Roman Grosjean, Christian Lungard, Alex Pelot, and Pato Award. And then six through ten were Joseph Newgarden, David Malukas, Will Power, Graham Rahal, and Renus BK. All right. So, at the beginning of the race, McLaughlin maintained a uh, early lead. Connor Daly and Colton Herta came together early on, uh, sent Herta into the wall and damaged his car. He was able to get back to the pits and keep going, I believe, though. Um, on lap 26, Ray Hall ran into the back of a ward, damaging his gearbox and ending his race, and uh, that brought out a full-course caution as well. On lap 33... Uh, Alexander Rossi and Callum Eilat ran into each other on the restart, sending both cars into the runoff area. Rossi was able to continue his race, but he dropped to the back of the field. On the same lap, Devlin DeFrancesco and Takuma Sato collided. Uh, it was actually just a corner later, and both cars ended up going into the wall, and uh, that was the end of both drivers' races, as uh, I think both cars had pretty bad suspension damage after that. Uh, after that, um, Graham Rahal crashed into the wall on lap 52, and uh, Renus VK crashed into the back of his car as it was a blind corner, and he had no time to adjust his line to avoid the uh, crashed-out car of Rahal. Uh, VK was able to continue, um, but another caution came out. On lap 64, Kyle Kirkwood and David Malukas crashed into each other and both slid into the wall, and uh, that ended both drivers' races, causing yet another full-course caution. Uh, and that was a shame, because Kirkwood and Malukas at that point in the race were, I think, uh, it was like 4th and 5th or something like that. They were, they were and these are two well. rookies. Yeah, these are two rookies up at the top of the top of the field, so it was uh, they were both having a really good race, and then they... <laughs> Got a little aggressive, and uh, both of them ended up not finishing. Um, but that's how it goes. With uh, just seven laps left in the race, Jimmy Johnson lost the rear of his car over some bumps and spun into the wall. Uh, that ended his race and caused another full-course caution. On the restart after that caution, Newgarden and Grosjean collided, and Grosjean ended up in the wall, which brought out the full-course caution again. This race took like how long is this? This race took like four hours because there was a rain race. delay at the beginning too. Um, it was wild. <laughs> um, so that was the last caution of the race, and then Marcus Erickson, unfortunately for him, had a mechanical failure under the last caution with just a few laps left. Because of um, yeah, <laughs> on the last restart. Scott Dixon was in the lead, followed by Scott McLaughlin, Christian Lugard, Alex Pelot, and Alex Rossi. All five drivers were in contention for the win, um, but uh, it was Dixon and McLaughlin that ended up fighting each other over the remaining two laps, and the race ended in a drag race to the finish line with Dixon coming out on top by about half a car length. Yeah. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty exciting stuff. Brutal race. Yeah. All right, so... We had 13 finishers and 13 non-finishers. Um, <laughs> so 
The first, the top five were Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin, Alex Pillow, Alexander Rossi, and Colton Herta. Six through ten were Joseph Newgarden, Felix Rosenqvist, Christian Lungard, Simon Pagano, and Jack Harvey. Uh, and then 11, 12, and 13 were Will Power, Rinas VK, and Helio Castro Neves. And then the DNFs. DNFs. Everyone else. <laughs> DNFs were everybody else. It was Marcus Erickson, Callum Eilat, Roman Grosjean, Connor Daly, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Kirkwood, David Malukas, Takuma Sato, Devlin DeFrancesco, Graham Rahal, Padua Ward, Dalton Kellett, and Simona De Silvestro. I don't think I've ever seen a race with that many DNFs. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the last um, time I remember seeing something with a similar kind of finishing order or finishing stack was uh hungary last year oh yeah for f1 yeah, I think, uh that yeah, was I about half the field too yeah it was about the same was, i think there were 11 or 12 finishers but yeah it was <laughs> there's a few races where you get like just carnage like this but this was this is just insane yeah yeah very different circumstances yeah uh, nashville's a, a very very tight street race and yep. it it had rained before the the track was still a little wet and it was just yeah it's a high speed over the bridge uh they go over bridge twice and they come down from the high speed bridge straight into a, a really really tight uh corner that just absolutely mulls people if you're not checking your speed because you know it's bumpy too you're not getting perfect traction when you're braking so you just saw a lot of people you know who normally wouldn't crash just getting punished yep yeah it was absolute chaos um <laughs> but uh yeah so that was the music city grand prix let's move on to the bomberito auto group 500 okay yeah this is in uh good old st louis missouri st louis oh no i pronounced it wrong they're gonna kill me uh <laughs> St. Louis, Either way Missouri. you go, you're wrong on that one. It's fine. Yeah, everything's <laughs> fine. Uh, it, it's a great city. I've driven through there. I love it. It's definitely St. Louis. Um, anyways, uh, qualifying. We had in first place, or starting for pole, rather, uh, Will Power, followed by Marcus Erickson, Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin, and Alex Pillow rounding up top five. Finishing out the bottom five in the top ten, we had Scott Dixon, Pato Award, Takuma Sato, Devlin, Dave Francesco, and Alexander Rossi. Um, what do you think about this race? It's a, well, this a race, short uh, track. Yeah, this race was um, interesting. It it, the, it started out really boring. Um, yeah. Because, so, the most of the appeal of this race, this was actually one of my, it ended up being one of my favorite races of the season at the end. Um it started out, and the whole the whole appeal of this race was the threat of weather, and so, right, there was there was a rain on the radar all around the track, and basically, people were trying to sync up their their strategies to match the rain. Either like some people said, like went basically went on a strategy where they thought it was going to rain, and then the race wasn't going to be resumed because it just kept raining. Some people went on strategies where it was going to rain, stop the race, and then the race would be resumed afterwards to finish. And then some people went on the strategy for it's not going to rain at all, let's just go to the end of the race. Um, 
So it ended up being quite the mix, grab bag of strategies. Um, it was really fascinating, but in the first, I think it was, yeah, it was 144 green uh, green flag laps before anything really happened. Yeah, it was really um, rude. I I don't want to say I was getting bored because I mean it was still pretty good racing, but I after the Nashville Grand Prix, I was getting a little a little kind of wondering when the caution would come out. It didn't happen yeah. until almost halfway through the race. Yeah, Will Power commanded the early part of the race, um, and he held off Erickson for the first quarter of it or so. Um, but then O'Ward and McLaughlin made their way up through the field to challenge for the lead after that. Uh, pretty soon after, about, I'd say, 90-ish laps into the race, the threat of rain started to show up on the radar, and this is when the strategy calls all started to diverge from each other. Um, finally, about 50 laps after all of the strategy calls had already been made, basically, uh, on lap 144, Jack Harvey got into the wall and brought out a full-course caution as he made his way back to the pits slowly. Very different strategy from the other drivers. He decided to end the race before the rain got there. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bold one. I don't think it quite worked out for him, though. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so half of the cars ended up pitting under caution in anticipation of the rain and half the cars stayed out. Um, the rain ended up taking longer to show up than anticipated, which benefited those who pitted under yellow. Um, on lap 177, Newgarden took the lead, uh, but was then undercut by Scott McLaughlin in second on, uh, lap 209. Uh, this was a 260 lap race, by the way. On lap 217, the race was red flagged due to rain. Uh, it finally showed up, and basically on ovals, the second they see a raindrop, it's a red flag, because the speeds that everybody's going at, there's no <laughs> no margin for error. Um, yep, and the way that they're shaped, they don't really evacuate water super well. I mean, it just yeah, it pulls up slope, on the bottom. so it just creates a waterfall and pulls up on bottom, yeah. Yep. Um the race actually it only rained for about 15 minutes and then it took them about two hours to drive the track after that they had these trucks with these giant uh like industrial like blowers just fanning off the track and it took it took like a long time for them to dry it out um but finally about two hours later the race did resume and uh mclaughlin and newgarden were the leaders at that point uh they were on fresher tires um, well, fresh-ish tires, uh, fresher tires than people like uh, Will Power, who um, kind of got the short end of the stick on strategy, um, and everyone who went in with him. I don't know. There was so much strategy confusion; it's hard to keep track. Um, so they had fresh-ish tires. Uh, most of the field had older tires, and then David Malukas had just pitted. I think the lap before the red flag came out. Uh, so he had a massive advantage in terms of tire and fuel um, compared to the rest of the field on the restart. And so after the restart, he made his way all the way from 5th to 2nd, and uh, he had a massive titanic battle with Scott McLaughlin at the end of the race. Uh, yeah, that was for about 20 laps. That was the highlight for me, watching them just trade back and forth. Yeah. Uh, they, even through the corners, they were getting pretty gutsy. Uh, going up pretty high out of the line just to try to to keep in it. Yep. Yeah, David Malukas has been 
definitely turning heads and impressing people. Um, he's uh, in the running for Rookie of the Year. I don't have the stats for that up. I should have done that. Uh, but maybe at the end of the season we can talk about that. Um, I know he's definitely in the running for Rookie of the Year. Uh, I believe Christian Lungard is in the lead of that right now. But if Malukas keeps putting up podiums, he's going he's gonna to overtake uh, Lungard pretty quickly. Um, but he's definitely had some good races, especially over the last few, where he's been top 10. And uh, yeah. for a rookie, a top 10 finish is really good. And so to have multiple and even now a podium is a very, very successful first season in the sport for him. All right. So the results of this race, we had Joseph Newgarden pulling out the win, followed by David Malukas and Scott McLaughlin on the podium. Four and five were Pato Award and Takuma Sato. Six through ten were Will Power, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Alex Below, and Graham Rahal. Eleven through fifteen were Colton Herta, Devlin DeFrancesco, Roman Grosjean, Jimmy Johnson, and Helio Castro Neves. Sixteen through twenty were Felix Resnickfist, Kyle Kirkwood, Dalton Kellett, Christian Lundgaard, and Simon Pagino. Twenty-one through twenty-five were Callum Eilat, Ed Carpenter, Connor Daly, Jack Harvey, and Alex Rossi. And then we had one DNF, and that was Rena's VK because of an electrical failure. What a change from Nashville to uh, to St. Louis. Yeah. That was, yeah. We had one crash, which was Jack Harvey, but he that didn't end his race. And um, we had an electrical DNF. Yeah, and that was just, uh, he was saying in an inter- interview during the race that uh, his dash dashboard on his... Uh, on his wheel just froze and so he couldn't see he couldn't see any of his shift lights he couldn't hear the shift tone he couldn't (laughs) see what gear he was in um let alone you know the amount of fuel he had in the car oil pressure you know all the stuff that you kind of need to know (laughs) yeah um and then uh yeah (laughs) so he had to he pulled into the pits and they they couldn't fix the problem in time um or really yeah so (laughs) He unfortunately did not finish the race, um, but I can only imagine that'd be that'd be like terrifying, especially kind of on an oval. Well, it'd be terrifying no matter where you are, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I feel like th- I don't. Would the gearing be that much of a problem? I f- those engines have to be loud enough that you can hear them a little bit, even from your helmet, and your cockpit. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. He said he was doing it all by feel, which yeah. I could see, but at the same time, like. You have the shift lights and the beep, and so regardless, I think you're going to be at the very least a little slower without that information. Yeah, because um, you're going to yeah. be a little more. The big more thing is not having access. Thing. Yeah, not having access to other telemetry like your. Uh, I don't know if they're on tire temps like they do in F1, but you know your your tire info and your uh, engine temps, uh, your fuel. That's that's a big one, and then your yeah. lap counter too on a t- 260 lap race. It's yeah, really you're hard to track 260. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the fuel would be the big one on an oval because that's kind of the whole, the whole uh, big big part of the race. It's not just driving around in circles. It's uh, you know one of the biggest goals is hitting your fuel target every lap. Yeah. So without that information, it's almost impossible. Um, and this was a especially tricky race on fuel. Will Power said that he was 
he was lifting and coasting into turn one from the start finish line, which which the start finish line was probably oh I don't know two hundred feet maybe more before the turn. That's, so yeah, that's crazy. Was, yeah, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of lift and coast, lots of fuel saving in this race, just because the amount of strategy variables were ridiculous. Um, so it didn't, uh, the first part of the race was not too exciting, but the second half, especially after the, the red flag, the restart was, was awesome to watch. Very entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely one to watch from your TV. Uh, I think getting stuck for two hours, not watching any racing after 15 minutes of rain, uh, I would have <laughs> gotten a little tired of that if I was actually there. Yeah. Cause everybody had to get out of the stands too. Cause there was lightning. So like, <laughs> You have to leave your seat, go sit under the bleachers, probably. <laughs> yep, and then come back to a, a soaked, drenched seat. Yep. And then wait for a couple hours. <laughs> wait a couple hours, and then uh, you get... It was like 36 race laps, which takes about... It was like 15 minutes, I think. <laughs> so, waited two hours for 15 more minutes of racing. <laughs> but, you know, that's how it goes. Uh definitely can't be running on ovals in the wet and uh, lightning is definitely a threat when it comes to all of those machines and electronics and everything on the track and also the people in the stands in the the big metal bleachers <laughs> yeah yeah um, these uh those lightning storms in midwest are no joke no joke for sure i've seen some pretty brutal stuff <laughs> um yeah one time i was out in colorado and i was uh it was this crazy flash flood and thunderstorm and um, they were saying on the news there were like 650 strikes in Denver per second, or per minute, I mean. It was like wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they got they got lightning a little bit different over there than what we're used to over on the West Coast, but uh, it's definitely still a major part of the sport, especially during the summer. Um, Alright, so championship standings after that random tangent. <laughs> uh... We have, in first place still, um, with 482 points, Will Power leading the championship. Uh, he's only three points ahead of his uh, teammate, Joseph Newgarden. And um, pretty close behind, we also have Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, and Alex Pillow. I would say the top five here uh, are probably the only ones that really have a shot at the championship still. Um looking pretty good for power and new garden they've got really good uh momentum this uh at this point in the season marcus derrickson's kind of dropping back after he led for a few races um and then scott dixon kind of came out of nowhere he had a kind of rough first half of the season but he's definitely come back and is now in very good contention spot for the for the title um all right so that's uh, kind of all all there is in terms of interesting stuff, <laughs> updates in the championship for IndyCar. Uh, yep. Let's move on to our overtake of the week. I gave this to Philippe Albuquerque on Olivier Jarvis at Road America in the IMSA race. Um, <laughs> he came around. Uh, he was. They were. They were battling each other through traffic. They. They. I think he. I think Albuquerque had to overtake like three cars to get this one spot because of because he had to pass a bunch of GTD cars. Um, so he was weaving through traffic and then ended up wheel to wheel with Olivier Jarvis, 
down a straight. Jarvis pushed him off the road, but Albuquerque was not phased, kept his foot flat on the floor, and just made the overtake with two wheels on the grass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I said, IMSA drivers are literally just different. Yeah. That's a different breed right there. Um, yeah. IMSA always has at least a couple great overtakes every race. Yeah. IMSA racing is very fun to watch, I will say. It's just hard to sit there for six hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's where um, the uh, half-hour highlights really comes in handy. Exactly. Um but yeah, so I love watching IMSA. I just kind of tune in when I see a race is on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. Lots of good overtaking. The drivers are absolutely insane. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's our overtake of the week. And uh, that actually concludes this first part of uh, episode 16. Uh, so thank you everybody so much for listening to part one of this episode. If you enjoyed it, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. Make sure to stay tuned for part two of this episode coming up next, and uh, we'll see you there. We'll be right back.